Good evening, everyone. Really great to see you all. And great to see, like, Miranda, good to see you after a while. Welcome back. Um, so um, we're going to sit to start. Um, I think back to fundamentals, um, dual awareness practice, work on noting thoughts, um, maybe, you know, a bit as we ease in, uh, working with the body, but um, just really sort of basic practice of mindfulness and presence. Um, and then if someone has a question or something that they would just like to talk about tonight, um, please bring it up afterwards. Maybe something will uh, come up during sitting that you realize you'd really like to talk about. Um, I have something I could talk about, but part of me is not sure I want to, or part of me is not sure I'm ready to. So, and I, I, I might feel differently when the sitting is over. Um, and I might just decide to go for it, but, um, but I feel open to talking about whatever or about nothing much at all. Um, so, um, it could be technical, you know, question about sitting, or it could be something, you know, bigger picture. Um, so yeah, I have, it's not that I have nothing to, to touch on, but I'm really, really happy to go in, in whatever direction someone might want to go in tonight. If, so just put that out there and see what comes up for you as you sit. Um, so please just get in a comfortable position for about 25 or so minutes of practice. Let your eyes go soft. Take a few deep breaths. Letting your body settle into this moment. And let your breathing come to just a natural rhythm, whatever that may be for you right now. Short, quick, deep, slow, erratic, whatever it may be. And of course, as your breath settles down in this way into its own, rhythm, you'll be aware of it to some extent, but don't yet bring your attention single-mindedly to the breath. Just let it be there as part of a looser open awareness that includes not just some sensations associated with the breath, but just the feeling of your body as a whole, the sounds 
in the environment, the temperature of the air on your skin, And before we do begin directing our awareness in intentional and more focused ways, ask yourself, how are you doing? How is the body doing right now? Does it have a dominant kind of mood or energy? Are there particular places that feel especially good or not so good? Loose and open, soft or tense and tight and hard. Just take the body in as we connect ever deeper to it. And now please begin bringing your awareness in a more intentional and focused way to the sounds in the space around you. Using your hearing and the sounds around you as your first anchor for tonight's practice, the place where your awareness can rest and come back to when it wanders. For those of you who may not be so familiar with this particular practice, all we're doing is listening in an open way to all the sounds around us. Not listening for particular sounds, not identifying sounds, but just being open, receptive. There will be sounds around you, in your building, in your space. There's also the occasional sound of my voice. And perhaps there's also the sound of your own breath. Think of this as the auditory equivalent to peripheral vision, where you're just taking it all in. Can you hear everything at once?
if you try to hear too intently, put in too much effort, it'll actually be counterproductive. To hear in this open way requires you to be soft and receptive, not effortful and straining. It may require a little experimentation to find the right level of attentiveness that isn't so tight that you close off the world around you. And just because you're attending to sounds doesn't mean you're tuning out bodily sensations or other things that might be going through consciousness. You'll probably still be able to feel the breath and the body, but you're just not concerning yourself with them. Just they're there in the background as you stay open to sounds. What happens to your hearing and to the sounds around you when you get carried away by thoughts? For me, it's almost as if I don't hear while I'm lost in thought, like a gauzy film comes between me and the world. For you, it might be different. What is the effect of becoming lost in thought on your ability to hear be present to sounds. When you notice that thoughts have carried you away, just acknowledge that fact, perhaps saying softly to yourself, silently, thinking or having a thought and then coming back to sounds.
for those of you who would like to begin introducing the breath as a second anchor along with sounds. You can pick the breath in the nose, in the chest or the belly, or perhaps in all three spots at once. Sounds and breath. If that feels hard to you or just not what you want to do tonight, feel free to stay with just sounds as your one anchor. So for those of you who have decided to include the breath, you're feeling the breath and you're listening for sounds. Simple. So there will be thoughts that carry away, fantasies, desires, or memories. And then there are the thoughts that are about how you're doing, how this meditation is going. Take special note of those kind of thoughts, the meta thoughts that are about how you're practicing, whether you're doing it well or badly whether it's meeting your expectations or not. Just note them like any other thought, but take special note of them. What tone or energy do they come cloaked in?
Some of you may be cruising along, in which case, just keep doing what you're doing. Some of you, however, may be feeling bored or frustrated, full of self-judgment, things aren't going the way you want them to. Maybe you feel uncomfortable, you feel pain, resistance. You feel like you just can't settle into this moment. When is this going to end? Let's see if you can see that very difficulty, those negative feelings, those thoughts, as a potential gateway into the present moment. Perhaps not the pleasant one you choose, but a gateway nonetheless. Can you open yourself to whatever your experience is like right now? What does frustration feel like? What does that pain or the resistance to the pain feel like? Whatever you're feeling or thinking, that is part of the present moment and opening to it is opening to the present moment. Take whatever gateway is offered to you.
Seng San, the third ancestor of Zen in China, in one of his famous poems said, the way is not difficult. It just precludes picking and choosing. And a lot of what practice is, is just noticing the ways in which we pick and choose. Wanting this, not wanting that. In what ways right now are you picking and choosing? You may not be, but if you are, just notice how it feels to want something different or to not want what you have. The beautiful thing is once you notice what picking and choosing feels like, and just experience it that, the attachment or the aversion fully, you've already transcended picking and choosing. The mind will wander. It's part of its nature. Just notice it and come back time and again.
We're going to sit for just a few more minutes. And during this time, I invite you to do a loose scan of certain place in the body that are common sites of tension or holding. The eyes, the jaws, tongue, lips. center of the chest, the belly, and the lower back. Just at your own pace, following your own inclination, maybe visit some of these spots over the next few minutes, or whatever spots you know are good for you. And we'll end in just a few minutes. Okay, take your time, open your eyes when you feel ready, slowly, slowly begin to move your body, and we'll begin in just a minute or so. So, does anyone have anything that they would like to ask about, talk about? Um, oh, if some of you came during the sitting, uh, before the sitting, I just said, you know, I have some things I can talk about, but um, don't feel super committed or um, in what I brought today. Um, 
and I can always talk about it some other time. So I want to leave the floor open in case anyone had anything they would like to chat about. I, by the way, there are enough people where I can't see everyone on the screen at the same time. So um, I think just unmute and speak. What do you do about an angry meditation? In essence, Smitha, not anything different. I think anger is, a, is a especially tricky to practice with when you're engaged in conversation with other people, when you could actually easily lash out in anger. Um, and then it becomes, I think, a little bit more complicated. Um, but when you're sitting, um, it's really just feeling it, you know, in the body, noting the thoughts as they come up. Um, nothing essentially changes. There's one trick which um, Ezra often recommends. I think he, ha you know, I think people have different kinds of emotional sort of like, I don't know, you know, the baselines, you know, what, what, and so um, I, I definitely am very familiar with anger, but um, it's not, it's not the, the thing that I've had to deal with the most with, um, but Ezra has had a lot of, you know, anger and, um, and so for him, he's found it very helpful um, to do breathing into the lower belly, well, hara breathing. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, and even the kind of breathing where, I, I don't know if you were here, Samantha, when I recommended this particular form of it, but, you know, visualize the breath coming in and out of the lower belly. So the hara, for those of you who don't know, is like three finger widths, let's say below the belly button. So lower belly. Um, and imagine the breath being actually drawn in to that area. Um, so coming in and out of there. And, and then there's like a bed of coals in there and the breath as, a, as the air of your breath um, flows over those coals, hot coals, they kind of glow and they, they you know, orange with heat. And um, so Ezra has found this really helpful because it's a way of, um, first of all, I think the hara is a place, you know, cultivating energy in the hara allows you to hold more emotion. And, and so especially when you're feeling like rage or anger, you know, the kind that's going to like overwhelm you, it's you really off balance. Having a lower center of gravity, more energy down there can just help you hold it. Um, and he also has found that actually that kind of breathing can sometimes even transmute some of the anger. Um, and, and just for, you know, alchemically, it's just like energy. You know, anger is ultimately like energy. Um, and so, so there's that. So those are like the sort of technical, but other than that is, you know, if that doesn't work for you, it's just basic awareness practice. And I think the key thing is, what, what, no matter whether you're doing it, practicing on your own, or try to practice with it in your body as you're actually engaged in a conversation where it might explode, is be with it, be aware of it, and try your best not to repress it. This is the delicate thing. Like, you know, it's like, there's nothing wrong with being angry. The po point of practice is not to not feel anger, right? Uh, the, uh, it's, and so, but it can really, easily become like, well, I shouldn't cause any harm. I should, so I need to like really stuff this down. Um, and it can, it's a really slippery slope to not express the anger to like trying not to feel it. And I think the key is, can you feel it and yet not refrain from taking it out on someone? Um, and then of course there are times where I think, to be honest, 
um, sometimes something think needs to be said that, you know, an anger can be an energy that gets attention. So, but that, that's anyway, I'll pause here. It's, it's actually like a, a huge topic, but I think that, that I, does that speak to, I don't know, your, where you're asking from? I, I, I don't know. If, I hope so. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I do remember the horror practice and I'm going to try it. Thank you. That's very oh, helpful. Okay. Hi, Bernie. Um, I have something um, that uh, spoke to me, uh, your words, you said, take what path is offered to you. And I think that's something that's not, I know personally, it's not part of my um, nature to take what's given to me. I think I have um, um, natural tendency to find the best way, the uh, the most beautiful path or the calmest path or I'm, I'm, I think I'm very picky um, and, and, I, and I think that that does lead to problems because then you feel like you'll be disappointed or you'll find um, that it's harder than you thought or it's not um, what you thought it would be, so your expectations are let down. And in a way, as soon as you just take what's given to you or what's in front of you, the worry, there's so much worry that just drops away. Um, and I, then, I, then I observe and I think, where does this come from, my desire to make it the best? And I know that this also, this comes from self, um, I think we all try to excel in what we do and that puts pressure on us and it's all, not all. And in fact, that's wrong. I don't think it's self-imposed. I think society imposes a lot of this on us. Actually. I'm not gonna say it's not me, but I don't think it's just coming from, if you had just someone who was a baby, I don't think they're gonna naturally try to get the biggest apple or the brightest ball. I think that um, a lot of this is like you're um, encouraged and you're applauded when you do stellar work or there's something that happens where you feel, oh, this is giving me approval. So I don't know how we can let go of that for um, being the best, being the fastest, being the winner, being, um, and do we want to? That's the other question. Do we want to let that all go? But that was a relief when you said, just take the path that's given to you. I like that. Thanks, Sylvia. Um, yeah, I, I um, I, it's, I think I like I, I, what really resonated is when you said, 
it was kind of a relief, right? Um, and because I think, you know, I'm very familiar with that tendency you're talking about. Um, I mean, it can take a lot of different forms, but um, like your meditation is supposed to feel a certain way. You're supposed to, you know, look a certain way, right? You're supposed to carry yourself a certain way. Um, and when you start spiritual practice, it's like it can just, all that can be kind of fed through that kind of framework um, where, you know, you want to be graceful, you want to seem always calm, all these things, right? Um, not feel anger and not feel whatever it is, aversion that, you know, you're not supposed to. Um, and, and it can be both exhausting in that you resist a lot of what your experience is in the moment. But there's also exhausting in that you can try to engineer, like, well, I don't want to eat that or do this because, or that, because that I know makes me feel bad later on. And so you see people like managing so many different aspects of their life because they're worried about how it will make, because somehow if it, if they don't feel okay, they know it won't be okay. You know, when, if you are okay with however you feel, actually nothing can throw you off, you know? Um, and so it's exhausting on many different levels, both the resistance to the moment, and also the attempt to manage how each moment feels beforehand, right? Um, and I think what's really um, fascinating, just as a kind of observation about how sitting is, it's like people talk about good sittings and bad sittings, um, but how do we know which is which, right? It's like, um, I think what people probably mean is like, oh, that felt really peaceful, or that felt really calm, or that felt really focused, right? But I have to say that um, some of the sittings that have felt the most awful because I was being with things that were uncomfortable, you know, I'd walk out of the zendo or the meditation hall, and the world would be brilliant with color, and everything would be sharp. And I'd realize, wow, I felt bad, but I was in it. And, and so if, if it's what it's about is being present um, and open to the world, then actually that was a good sitting, though I think those labels are pretty meaningless and useless. Um, and so, um, so anyway, I, 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 you know, we not only do we judge each moment, but I think the weird thing is we think we can. We think we actually have the ability to make judgments when we don't really know, you know, so. Sorry, Hannah, could you say it again? The sound's not so great, yeah. Okay, can you, can you hear me now? Yes, now? yeah. Okay, um, I have a question about pain and control, and I'm very new to this, um, but I've been feeling like 
like my legs will go numb or, or like one foot will go numb or my back, my lower back will feel like I want to crack it. And I imagine that's a very common feeling to feel discomfort. And I can notice myself thinking instantly, oh, if only I just like move a little bit and crack my back or like switch my feet placement, then I'll, I'll be comfortable again and I can focus on my breath again and I can feel peaceful again. And like, if only I just tweaked this one thing and then either I tweak it and I'm, I'm more peaceful, peaceful for a few minutes and then it, I feel a different discomfort again or I don't and then I feel myself getting frustrated because I feel like I'm dragging myself away from sounds or breathing by focusing on a pain or discomfort when I what and then conversely I I also feel like oh maybe this is productive because I'm pushing myself through pain and then I'm like that's not the point of this so I just wanted to hear your reflections on how to address pain and what it means to sit with that and pretend that I have some control to change that or accept that I don't or that I do. No, it's interesting. Even the way you phrase that last thing is as if everything depends on how you do what you're doing, right? As if you found the right way to do it, you figure it out. When and I and I think you kind of have to, there's no way around that, but actually, um, so and so it's not as if that's a mistake, but I don't actually think that's how it works. It's more like a process that one undergoes where through experience you learn more, and you've already learned a lot. I mean, I frankly, I think everyone else on this call who sat for, um, for any amount of time probably just nodding like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've thought that, I felt that, <laughs> you know? So it's a very good description, which means you're paying really good attention to what's going on. Um, so, um, and, and I think that's actually like um, the key, you know, just like being aware in the way you are of um, all the impulses you have, all the different ways you try to manage those impulses, the decisions you think you have to make. Um, and sometimes you'll move. And then as you discovered, the, the discomfort comes back a few minutes later. So it's not actually quite the solution, is it, right? And then sometimes you don't move and you think, oh, I must, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tough. And you're like, wait, that's not quite it, right? So, but you're going to make those moves. And the trick isn't to find the perfect approach where you never make a mistake, right? You never, it's just to keep looking as you see the mind kind of like, I don't know what the right word is, flopping around, <laughs> right? It's like, as it tries, God damn, like, okay, what am I supposed to do here, you know? Um, and so, um, but I think your some of your intuitions are really worth like lifting up. It's like, yeah, it's not about pushing through. It's not about being tough. And yet, I think you also recognize that it's not about just moving whenever you want to, right? Because that doesn't actually help. So when you realize that doesn't help, then the not moving becomes not pushing through, but realizing, well, that path didn't work. So what is it like just to be with this 
and just see what it's like. And is there a way to be with it without using the kind of pushing feeling, but be with it in a soft way? That may not be easily accessible, but it, suddenly you'll fall into it after you just try. As the mind flops, the mind as the mind flops this way and that, it's occasionally going to find like interesting new possibilities, new experiences, new solutions, right? New ways of comporting itself. And so much of the importance of just sitting regularly that the mind needs time, awareness needs time to try all these different possibilities out, to try every possible end run around the experience you don't want to have until it finally just like settles into it, almost out of exhaustion sometimes. But sometimes just like beautifully, it just opens. And you're like, how did that even happen? How do I make that? And then you're like, chase that for a while like wait i want to reproduce that experience like i don't know what i did like oh my god and then you know um so hannah i think really the answer is um in essence just keep observing in the way you are and you will and you know yeah but like at the same time yeah it's not about being macho you know that I think that is a real, that is a red flag, but you might be interesting to see that aspect of yourself emerge, right? Um, and it, it might be in there, right? And then it'll be interesting to see it assert itself and then watch that, right? Um, so, um, you know, awareness, awareness is, is the key and giving yourself time to be aware. And then it's okay if you move once in a while. I want to say that really. And then you yourself will come to this point where you say, I feel like I'm being nice to myself, but I'm actually not being my, nice to myself in the biggest way because this is, is producing cycles of temporary relief, you know? So what is going on? What would it be like to push a little bit longer, you know? So there's this like, it's weird. It's not, I've heard this. I like this turn of phrase. It's a, little, it's a little catchy, but you know, I think it's good. Turning willpower into willingness. You know, it's not about willpower, but can you be willing, right? Can you find a willingness? And there's almost like an experience of grace where if you just are with it enough, something will click. And then you realize some of the most important transformations were not ones that you made happen, but you were essential because you let yourself be there for the, the transformations to happen. Um, so I don't know if any of this, does this make sense? Does it resonate? I don't know, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And we can talk, this is one of those weird things where it's like, you know, I think it's the kind of thing where if you're in the right place, it makes sense. And if you're not, it's like, what the hell? That's just like, that's not helpful, you know? And so I, I, I hear, I, I see that it's working for you, but I just, this is one of the strange things about talking about meditation. It just really depends on where you're at, like what, what answer will work. Yeah. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Leah. Hi. Um, I have, so I've been thinking a little bit about this and then it came up again during the sitting today, um, which is sort of my own confusion surrounding um, 
like the meanings behind certain terms, mm-hmm. like the terminology um, that you use when you're sort of guiding our meditation. Um, and so, so I'm referring to when we talk about like being like openness and being open to, um, you know, whatever thoughts or um, feelings we're having in the moment throughout our sittings. And, um, and then I think when you were answering a question, the question about um, like an angry sitting, mm-hmm. um, how, you know, if you're, if you're, I'm not, I actually, I'm not sure what the exact term, terminology was, but just essentially the, the, um, the gist of it was that if you're okay with everything, that it doesn't really matter, you know, what hits you because you're just <laughs> going with the flow and not, um, it doesn't really affect you. So something that I, I'm struggling with is when I have these difficult emotions or thoughts, I think I'm, I think I'm open to them or, you know, try hard to me, but I'm not sure that I'm entirely okay with them. And I think for me, there's a little bit, I think that there is a difference between, between the two of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm wondering if you, have any thoughts or can elaborate on like the, cause I think it's subtle. Um, but for me, and I'm not sure I could, in, you know, explain it entirely, but I think there is a difference between those two things. I totally agree. And I think it's a wonderful question. Um, and, um, so being open to something, um, I, I mean, it's an, it's a, it's an ambiguous term. I mean, and I think maybe that's, the benefit of some of the terms that I use that people can sort of um, relate to them in, in different ways, which will change over time. But, and I can imagine someone saying being truly open to something involves being okay with it, but actually I totally agree that it doesn't necessarily mean that at all. And sometimes being open to like an experience of anger, the emotion or energy of anger means simply just like literally enduring it, you know, like letting it be there and not running, screaming out of the meditation hall, you know, um, which may be what you want to do, you know. Um, so I've had uh, definitely, you know, so, you know, anger may not be the, um, the emotion that I have to deal with on a regular basis all the time, but man, I mean, who hasn't experienced intense anger, you know, and, and I have had, entire like sittings and retreats that were characterized by anger um, where it is like your entire body is flooded with the emotion the feeling it is not okay it doesn't feel okay it takes almost willpower like so this is not like like willingness is not even in the picture right you're just like it's just like you almost have to kind of like just grit your teeth and stay there and be with it um, ideally it's not that all, all the time, but just knowing that, you know, willingness needs space to emerge. And so I just like willpower sometimes is what it takes to sit. Not okay. And so, um, and I would say that, yeah, just being open to having that experience at a very rudimentary level as part of 
what I'm getting at. And then um, hopefully it can also then involve a little bit more spaciousness, you know, like openness, you know, and I think that's another reason I like that term. It's like you, and when you're with like a discomfort or an emotion um, that you don't want, that doesn't feel okay. Sometimes you can actually start to feel a little bit of space around it where, you know, basically you'd prefer not to be there. You're not going to lie to yourself. And this is really, what's really important about what you're saying, Leah, is like self-deception helps no one. Telling yourself you're okay with something that you're not actually okay with is not good, you know? Um, so you need to be honest about like, I'm not okay with this, but I can be open to that. You know, literally just, that's why a lot of the work is not just being open to the feelings that we have that we may not like, but also being open to the fact that we are resistant to actually what we really want to do is get rid of that feeling if we're being honest, you know? Um, and then being with all of that for a while, open in this kind of like more down to earth way, produces over time moments of okayness, you know, that can um, sometimes be fleeting and sometimes longer. And sometimes bigger baseline shifts can happen to how you experience certain emotion states where things that used to just trigger you, throw you off you can sort of almost feel them come up in the body, know that certain thoughts are happening. And yet it just, none of, none of it really kind of like gets to you in the way that you, sometimes like, wow, five years ago, I would have just lost it, you know? And so, um, and that we can sort of see it, it's there. And it's almost even like, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, like, it can be amusing, you know, like, wow, you know? Um, so there is like a real long trajectory from just openness in the sense of like, being willing to stay present with something that you don't want to being okay in the way that, that you're distinguishing. And I totally agree that that's really useful to have those two different kinds of terms as ways of marking out the development of that path. Does that speak? Am I, am I hearing your question right and addressing it in a way that feels like I'm hearing you? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the time we're not okay with a lot of what we feel and a lot of practice is actually just facing up to that, you know, it's not like, and actually this goes back to Sylvia's question to start, I'm going to, we'll, we'll end, don't worry. It's like, I think we want sometimes to be able to be open to everything. Why can't I accept this experience I don't want with grace? If I was really spiritual, I'd be able to like convert it to love, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know, and yeah, no. <laughs> Um, it's, it's messy. It's often kind of like not sexy. It's just, you know, but we can, and really, I think the payoff starts to be like, not in how it feels like, you know, good sittings, bad sitting, all that's like, it's not actually like how sittings feel. It's when we realize that we're not flying off the lid when our spouse says something to us or a child does something, which a year ago we would have reacted to in a way that we would have been ashamed of. And now we don't. That's, I, for me, the thing that keeps me coming back. And I can tell when I stop sitting or sit less, I mean, it's been, um, that those, that spaciousness recedes and I get more reactive. And then that's, that's the reminder of what the value of this practice really is. It's not about feeling good. Okay, um, let's sit for a minute. Cause I, and, um, and then we'll, we'll say good night. Okay. Okay. Hmm.
And this will be unguided. Just please sit in whatever way you'd like. Friends, before you go, I just want to actually say one last thing to Smitha. Um, there's a book by Lama Rod Owen, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, I think called Love and Rage. And actually Chandra would have a bit of it uh, in, in, in his course packet. And I think he said something, which he's not the only one who said this, but it's also something actually I neglected to say, which is that sometimes when we are angry, I think one of the one of the risks of how a lot of people who are into meditation talk about anger is that it's just you. It's like an emotion which if you just dealt with, you'd get over it. But sometimes anger is actually a signal in us that something is wrong in the world around us, right? And so actually like it's not about us learning to process the emotion correctly or be within it will fade away and become okay in the way that I was talking about with Leah. Sometimes what it will take is actually a transformation in the world, right? So I just want to throw that out there, I, it's, it's, it's a, there's a risk of personalizing everything in practice. And as I said about like what keeps me coming back to practice, actually this is about how we engage with the world. And so sometimes anger is saying, something's not right, you know? Love and rage. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Cool. Okay, everyone, wonderful to see you all. Um, good night. Thank you, Bernie. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all. Thanks, Bernie. This has become like a very, very wonderful special group. This Thanks, is really, Bernie. yeah. Thanks, Hi, Jeremy. Bernie. Good to see you.